Amen. Well, I appreciate that. That's good singing. I like that. Like all the good singing. Wish we had another hour to spend taking requests. We could certainly uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the time. Enjoy all the good songs. That's a good thing about having a hymn book with 800 hymns in it. <laughs> you don't run out of hymns. Don't run out of songs to sing. <clears throat> and uh, we don't run out of songs to sing when we're singing about the Lord. We do have plenty, we, do, we have something to sing about. And it's good to be in church again this evening. Let's turn to Mark chapter number 2. <clears throat> Mark chapter number 2. <clears throat> and let's read this familiar portion of scripture and then try and go down and Come in upon it and enjoy it. Uh, verse number one, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you this evening. God, again, we are here this evening to give thanks unto you and to praise you. Lord, and to thank you for all that you've done for us. We're glad to be in your house tonight. Lord, we're glad to be with your family tonight. Lord, we're comfortable in your house. God, we would like to stay here. We're like Simon Peter that said it's good for us to be here. Lord, we'd like to just set up tabernacles and just stay right here in your presence. Our Father, we thank you that we can be in your house. We pray now, God, that you would help us. We pray that you would open these scriptures up to us. We pray that you would feed our souls tonight. And Lord, we ask for your special touch and for your help, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like this portion of Scripture. I've uh, <clears throat> had the blessing of being able to view with mine own eyes uh, similar things in my lifetime, how that Jesus uh, came into this place and he was surrounded by such a crowd that there was not any more room to get in. And I think about the times in Romania and in Bulgaria when we had uh, 
crowds that were larger than what the house would hold. And uh, times when we would go into these villages for the first time and, and uh, we would just pick a spot, an open spot, and maybe five or ten of us get our hymn books out and begin to sing. And before you know it, we had a hundred people come, and then two hundred people come, and then it was just everywhere, and people were climbing trees to get a look at us. And then there was people on the housetops that were looking to see what was going on. They'd never seen anything like that. And uh, many times after a meet, an open meeting like that, we would go to somebody's home and everybody would try to get into the house and everybody would try to get uh, close enough to see what this uh, singing was and what this preaching was and what this was all about. They never had seen a preacher. They never had seen anything except for their local religious people. And all they do is they come when there's a funeral and they say a little something in Arabic or in a different language and then they get paid for it and they leave. That's about the only uh, religious experience that they have, except for sometimes if they do have a problem, if there's a sickness, they might go to the local religious leader and ask for a prayer and pay him some money for a prayer, and normally it doesn't work. Sometimes when they have a problem in their home, they'll go to the religious leader and they'll ask for him to give them a special uh, you know, a special kind of a magic thing, write down something from the Quran on a piece of paper and then wear it around your neck and that's supposed to protect you from evil spirits or uh, things like that. And they'll even have things where they'll put a spell on other people. They'll go and have the re local religious person put a spell uh, on the husband so that he'll love his wife. Or if the mother-in-law doesn't like them, she'll have a spell put on them to split them up. And they'll do all kinds of things like that. And uh, sometimes there is some type of a magical power there that has to be broken. But that's about the, uh, uh, as far as they go religiously, the people that we work with. But when we came in, uh, missionaries and with some of these local pastors coming in and singing uh, these hymns uh, in their own language for the first time in their lives, they hear words that they never have heard before. And when they hear that there is a God in heaven and that He knows them and He knows all about their pain and their sufferings and that He is willing to help them and He loves them, that just touches these people. And I've seen time and time and time again sinners that come in looking just rough and tough and mean and and after they begin to hear these hymns sung, they just break down. And they just break down weeping and crying. I remember here about, a, a, it was two years ago, two summers ago, we went to this village. Uh, we had heard uh, somebody's family member. They said, let's go to this village and we want to see my sister and her uh, husband and some of the other people. So we drove for about two hours and we got to this little village. We picked up a couple people on the way, me and this other preacher uh, this uh, national pastor, and then we found there was one believer in that village, but she didn't have a church. Years ago, somebody had come through there, and he had talked to people or preached or done something, and some people got saved. This lady got saved, but then that man left and didn't stay there to build a church, and so she's left without a church, but we got her and then got some others, and we went to this house, and uh, uh, there's an older man named Hassan and his wife, I think, was Kadri, and they're sitting here in their home, and they're polite to us. Hassan, he's a great big man. He's older. He's uh, around 70, but he's a great big fella, strong. You can tell he'd been doing hard work his whole life. And uh, we began to sing these hymns, and uh, I kid you not, after a while, these hymns got to him, and he just took that hymn book and put it right there in front of his face and just sat there and wept.
just sat there and wept like a baby because he found out that God was real and that God was in his house and God was there to bless him and help him and save him. And uh, I thank God for the opportunities that we've had to see crowds like this come to know the Lord. A lot of times uh, when we would meet in a house, normally the preachers or missionaries, they would give us the one or two seats that they had in the house. Now they like to sit on the floor. They've got rugs. They eat on the floor. A lot of times they'll have a, uh, they've got a table. It's about this high and it's round. It's like this. And they don't have a dining room. They don't have big houses. And so when it's meal time, they cook right there in the same room. They've got a little cook stove there. And uh, then they'll wheel that table in, put it in the middle, and everybody gets down on the floor and, they, and you eat, either sitting down or laying down, uh, and you eat like that. And then you're done, they wheel it back in the other room, and uh, a crowd comes in, and so the one or two chairs that they have, they give to the missionaries, and so I sit on a little couch or on a little a day bed. They'll have like day beds that they sleep in, but then during the day they uh, clean it up and you can sit on it. And such a big crowd would come in that where I'm sitting down, uh, like this, there's so many people coming in that they're wanting to come right up here. And so to make room for them, I pull my legs up like this. I can't hardly do it now. <laughs> pull my legs up like that so that somebody can sit right in front of me and lean back against that couch and had to sit there for two hours with my legs like that. Now, I can't hardly do that. And it gives me cramps and it just makes me, it's difficult. But the Lord's there and I'm able to do it because there's so many people there. And I thank God for those days when we had such big crowds coming to these little houses. One time we had a meeting, um, and we had some visitors from the States, and we were in uh, Brother Yashar's house, and he had a room that was kind of large, and he had a lot of people there from his, uh, from his village. And there were so many people in, uh, just not standing room, not any kind of room at all. Everybody squeezed in there, just like sardines packed in. And there were still people outside. And there were people outside that couldn't get in, and they began to cry because they couldn't make it into the church. They had never seen anything like that in their lives. And there were teenage girls outside crying because they couldn't come into church. And uh, that touched the preacher so much that he said, Okay, we're going to do the same thing tomorrow. We're going to come back and we're going to give an opportunity to these that were not able to come in so that they can have a meeting and they can come in tomorrow and then whoever else can fit in uh, is welcome too. But we had crowds like that. Now today it's not quite like that. Half the, it seemed like half the country has moved away to Western Europe because there's just no money in Bulgaria. There's no jobs and so they all move away to Western Europe and they can make more money I mean, going through the trash in Europe than they can uh, working uh, all day long in Bulgaria. But I've been blessed to be able to see crowds of people come to church, come to meetings, come to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And I can say it's a wonder to see something like this, something that I read about in the Bible to see with my very eyes. The Bible says he came to Capernaum again. Again he entered into Capernaum. And that word again uh, is an important thing. This is the second time he came. Let's look back at chapter number one. <clears throat> chapter number one, and where does he come to Capernaum? Verse number 21. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. 
For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn them and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Now this was a big day in Capernaum. Jesus came and uh, on the Sabbath day went into the synagogue, and there's a crowd there. And Jesus' preaching is completely different than the scribes. He speaks with authority. He speaks just like he knows God and like he just came from God and he understands the scriptures. And he doesn't just get up and say, well, uh, Rabbi so-and-so believes this and Dr. so-and-so says this and this historian thinks this. Jesus just stands up and tells them the way it is. And they're amazed at that. And then there's somebody in their midst that has an unclean spirit. They've got the devil in them. They're in church. Now you would think that people with the devil in them are out there at the uh, honky-tonk or out there at the bar or at the disco or whatever you have. But no, they come to church sometimes. Sometimes there's people in church that have the devil in them. And I've seen that too. And when Jesus is speaking, he's just standing up preaching. And this person that has a devil on the inside of them cannot stand to hear the word of God. And he begins to cry out and go crazy. And the Lord commands the unclean spirit to go out. And that person is saved from the unclean spirit. Now I've seen this several times. Over there, there was a lot of demonic activity. And there's people that had unclean spirits. And sometimes it would manifest itself during the singing. We would start singing some of these good hymns that we have. And the hymns that we use over there most of the time are not the English ones. Because English music is completely different than Eastern music, than Turkish music. And so we use the Turkish music. It sounds very different. I'm not going to sing to you tonight. I don't have any words in front of me. But it sounds completely different than the English one does. And as foreign as the Turkish music sounds to us, it's our American music sounds that foreign to them. And so we use their music and we use their hymns that are written by, some of them we do translate some of the uh, English ones, but primarily the ones that are written by their people that once they're saved, sometimes they'll write some hymns and we sing those hymns uh, and it's all from the Bible, it's all the gospel. And sometimes we've been in meetings where we are singing a song about the blood or singing a song about the name of Jesus and somebody in the congregation will begin to scream and it's because they've got an unclean spirit on the inside of them. And so we had to learn, okay, let's take a break. Uh, don't anybody panic. And we come down and we get a hold of them because they like to run away. We get a hold of them and just pray until the unclean spirit leaves them. And then they're left just with a feeling, with a, a, a look of peace and of rest and relief because they had something unclean, some kind of magic, some kind of unclean spirit that was on them but when Jesus comes to town, the devil and Jesus cannot stay in the same room together. One has to leave. And so when the Lord comes in, then the devil has to get up and leave. And this is what happens there. These people are amazed to see something. Now, <clears throat> if something will get your, nothing will get your attention better than seeing somebody with the devil in them. That'll wake you up, okay? One time we were having a prayer, we were having church and... Uh, 
after church, we were, uh, at the, like the closing prayer, we were praying, and there was a woman there, and I could tell she's a little bit weird, just something was off on her, you know, and while we're praying, this woman begins to growl like some kind of wolf or some kind of a wild animal. Let me tell you, that'll get you serious about prayer. And so we had to pray with her. And several times, I'm, and when this happens, <clears throat> the people there, they're not familiar with unclean spirits, and it scares them to death. What's going on with my sister? <laughs> What's going on here? And I've seen people, they get up and start screaming and start going wild, and then someone else just slaps them to come to yourself, get a hold of yourself. And we have to do kind of watch it on the slapping. You don't want to get slapping started in church. A slapping meeting can get out of hand pretty quick. I myself am tempted to come out and slap a few people. <laughs> no, but <clears throat> somebody gets the devil in them, you have no idea what they might do. I've had people, I've had people talk to me. One time we had a girl, and uh, she was a young lady, and she was married, but uh, she had an unclean spirit on the inside of her, and it would speak with a man's voice. And she would talk about, I want to go to the graveyard. I got to go to the graveyard. I'm going to the graveyard. And we understood she just got the devil in her. But every time that we've come in, uh, come upon someone like that, we pray and God wins the victory every single time. The devil is not more powerful. We just have to pray and believe God and know that we're not going to turn loose of this person until God gives the victory. And we pray and we've seen several people who were cleansed from these unclean spirits and they were delivered from these unclean spirits. Well, that... Uh, the noise of that, uh, verse number 28, 128, immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Everybody heard about what happened at church that day. Verse number 29, and forthwith when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. Now we've seen this as well. People who were sick, and we prayed for them, and immediately they got better. We've seen people get better from different things. We've seen a lot of people who had uh, paralysis, who were paralyzed on one side, uh, and I don't know what causes that. I don't know what, uh, if it's all medical or if there's, other, if there's a spiritual connection there or not, but we've seen several people who were paralyzed, came to church, and by the time they left church, both sides were working good. I remember one time we were, uh, uh, we were at this uh, meeting in a place called Medjidia, and this man had come in, and he had to have someone help him walk, you know, and he was, he was drawn up on one side and could barely walk like that, and we, just, we were just singing. We sang several hymns, and after a while, he got to moving his hand like this. And then after a while, he started waving his hand like this just to let us know, hey, I can use my hand again. I've got strength back. I've seen people who were, one night we went to go visit this lady and to pray for her. They said there's somebody in the village that is paralyzed and they didn't know if she's going to live or die. And we went to her house and there were several believers already there. And, so we, and she was in the bed. She couldn't get up. And we prayed for her. And we had a good prayer and felt like God was really there. And so we said, okay. Let's just stay here a little while and talk and fellowship. And, and uh, some people gave testimonies. And we had a good time of fellowship there. And after a while, uh, the other missionary that was with me said, let's go ahead and pray again for this lady. And so we prayed for her a second time. And we prayed and we all prayed. 
and uh, felt like this is good. Felt like the Lord is here, and it's, it's good for us to be here. And uh, uh, felt like God was doing something there. And so after we prayed the second time, again, people are talking, and, and nobody wants to go home. God's in the house, and nobody wants to leave. And we just, they just hung around and hung around. And after a while, it got time to leave. I mean, it's late at night. It's 10 or 11 o'clock at night. We've still got to drive back to town about an hour. And so we got up to leave and said, let's pray for her one more time. And so we prayed a third time and prayed for her and just tried to believe God and ask God to touch her. And after every prayer, she said, thank you. She felt better. We prayed and we left the people there. And uh, we walked out to the car and we got in the car and we looked and she was standing on her own two feet on the porch waving to us goodbye. All of that happened, say, within a couple hours. And the Lord is able to hear prayer. The Lord is able to heal people. He didn't give us the gift of healing. If He did, man, I'd go to the hospital. There's a lot of sick people there. God didn't give us that kind of a healing and we don't have any kind of a healing ministry where we can lay hands on people and do anything. But God did give us prayer and we've seen that when we pray, a lot of times God will answer prayers, sometimes immediately, sometimes within a week, sometimes within a couple weeks, and sometimes the answer is no. But we have seen the Lord do some things. Look at verse number 32. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and all them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Jesus did some big things in Capernaum. Big things. They never got over it. And he left and he went and worked in other villages. He said, I've got to go preach in other villages. And now in chapter 2, he comes back. He comes back into Capernaum and uh, it was noise that he was in the house. I'm sure that everybody said, Jesus is here again. He's come back again. He's come back this summer, or he's come back however long it had been. Jesus is back here again. And so everybody this time wants to come uh, get up and come see him. And this time he's not in the synagogue. He's just in somebody's house. It might have been Simon Peter's house. We don't know. He's in somebody's house. And the whole crowd says, we can't wait until the Sabbath day. We can't wait until he decides to come to the synagogue. We're just going to go see him in the house. And the whole crowd, the whole city came to the house. And the Bible says, straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now, wouldn't you like to be there that day? He preached the word to them. He's got the whole crowd's attention now. And what does he do? He preaches to them. You know, most of us, if we had a crowd like that, we'd say it's time to take an offering. <laughs> you know, let's, get, let's uh, do something. Maybe you can uh, vote me in to be the mayor of this town. But Jesus took the opportunity to preach to them. Jesus was a preacher. I'm glad to follow in his footsteps. I'm glad to be a preacher. I'm glad to have the opportunity to preach. Uh, David Livingston said that God had one son and he made him a missionary. I'm glad to be a missionary. I'm glad to be uh, in that same position. And Jesus preached the word unto them. That's the reason that he came was to preach. And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. 
And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. So here comes four people and they've got one friend that's sick of the palsy. He's paralyzed. He can't walk himself. But they're bringing this man to Jesus. Four friends. We don't know really the man's condition. If he said, please take me. Or if he said, don't even bother. And the four friends said, you got to come. And I believe that these four friends said, let's bring him to Jesus because they had seen Jesus do similar things to other people, maybe in chapter 1. Maybe some of these four friends, they themselves were sick. Maybe some of these people were in beds. Maybe one of these four people was uh, sick of the palsy one day. And they had seen Jesus do some good things for them. And they said, if Jesus can do it for me, he can do it for you. Let's go ahead and take you to see Jesus. And isn't that the best uh, uh, attitude to have? That I know what Jesus has done for me. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Let's go see Jesus and talk to him about it. And they, These four friends came, brought this man to Jesus. They got there and they couldn't get there for the press. The crowd was too big. But they didn't say, oh well, we can't do it. It's impossible. They said, we got to do it. And they carried this man up on the roof and they tore the roof apart to get the man to Jesus. Now can't you imagine this little house so full of people, like I said, people you know, drawing up your legs like that to make room for everyone else to get in there and pushing and shoving. And remember, <clears throat> in these meetings like this, people are not always polite. I mean... If you try and tell somebody, nope, sorry, there's no room here, they'll just sit down right next to you and, oh, there's room now. Okay, go ahead. And uh, people are just shoved in there as tightly as can be. And I'm sure Jesus is right there uh, backed up against the wall, maybe standing up, maybe sitting down, and uh, he's preaching. Here's Jesus preaching. Now, if I'm preaching here tonight, I wouldn't want anybody to get up and walk around or people to get up and leave. I'd like for everybody to sit still. But Jesus is preaching, and what happens? Oh, things start falling from the ceiling. And then something's pulled back, and now there's a ray of sunshine shining down. And there's dust falling and dirt falling, and that sun is shining down, and there's smoke and dust in the air. And they begin to open up this ceiling, and they're tearing things apart. And that people, I mean, wouldn't you like, can you imagine sitting there right in the middle of that house, and the roof is being tore off, and it's coming right down on you? And you're worried, don't drop one of them tiles. Them ceramic tiles, I mean, they're heavy. Don't drop one of them tiles on my head. And where <clears throat> I'm sure that it was really tight, uh, packed, uh, tight, packed, tightly packed in there, packed in tightly, that once things started falling down, I think they made room somehow. And now <clears throat> it's not just dirt and dust and ceiling tiles that's fallen. Now here comes a man. And this man is being lowered down with ropes. And where there was no room there before, there's room now. People are making room. And Jesus, he's fine with the whole thing. He didn't say, hey, up there, stop it. Hey, cut it out. Whoever's house this was, you think. Now, Jesus, he had grace. But whoever was the owner of the house probably said, hey, 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 that's enough, okay. <laughs> it's good to come to church, but no, don't tear up my house. But Jesus said, okay, let's just take a minute and we'll stop preaching and uh, we'll see what happens here. Who is this that's coming down from above? Who is this on this bed? Let's just take a minute and uh, right in the middle of his sermon, I mean, it's cut off. One time we were preaching in a house in a meeting, preaching real good. 
this boy comes to the window, and there's probably about 30 or 40, 50 people inside this house. This is in Romania years ago. This guy comes to the window and says, Hey, uh, sister so-and-so, your son just died. And this lady screamed. She got up and ran away. Everybody in there started screaming. The whole crowd just gets up and runs outside. And uh, so the missionary's kind of standing there. You know, what do you do now? The whole crowd left. Well, what do you do? Well, you just wait. Continue preaching. And after a while, they started coming back in. They said that kid just played a prank on them. He just played a trick, just as mean as could be. And so just wait. People start coming back in. And then what do you do? Start from point number one again and preach the whole sermon again. And as long as the crowd stays there, keep on preaching. Doesn't matter. And so Jesus, he just kind of takes a break there and stops and they bring that thing down. And I'm sure that Jesus was smiling the whole time. Look at what they're doing. He says, uh, verse number five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. When he saw their faith, you know the thing that impresses God the most is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And he saw their faith, and he saw how much faith they had. When that, wasn't it the, was it the centurion that said, Lord, don't even come to my house. You don't have to come to my house. And that made Jesus, he said, just say the word right here and my son will live. And that impressed Jesus so much that what the Bible say, he turned and looked at the crowd and said, I've not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Faith impresses God. Faith gets God's attention. And when he saw their faith, here comes a man lowered down right in the middle and the Lord looks up and he sees, you know, uh, foreheads looking through a hole in the roof like that. The Lord looks up and he sees their faith and says, these four men believe in me so much that they're willing to tear a house apart to get a sick man to me because they believe I'm going to do something for him. He saw their faith and he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He got right at it. Now, forgiven sins in the scriptures normally doesn't come until like after the death and burial and resurrection. But I think Jesus was so impressed there that day, he couldn't help it. He just said, I've got to forgive you right here and right now. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And in Matthew, I believe he said, be of good cheer. I like that, be of good cheer. Having your sins forgiven will make you of good cheer. Son, you're ready for heaven right now. Don't worry about the judgment day. Don't worry about your sins in the past. Don't worry about what might happen. Thy sins are forgiven thee. You're going to heaven with a, with a clean slate pure, cleansed within and without. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Son, you're forgiven. Be of good cheer. The Lord saw their faith. I see here that the Lord greatly repays their efforts in bringing a man to Jesus. I believe that we ought to have the same kind of faith. We ought to do the same things to bring a man to Jesus. And in churches and on the mission field, we do all different kind of things. We have all different kind of uh, programs and of activities. And the main purpose behind everything ought to be to bring people to Jesus. 
And when these people worked hard to get someone to Jesus, Jesus saw how much they believed and how much they worked and how much they wanted it. And the Lord said, if they'll do that much, I'm going to go ahead and save this man right away. And we ought to have the same kind of faith that makes us bring people to church, makes us drag people to church, makes us get people by the hand and whatever we have to do to bring them to church and to get them to the Lord Jesus and to get them to the Lord's house where they can hear preaching. That is a, that's, the, that's a big deal right there. Get somebody in the house of God where they can hear preaching. You know, it's one thing to be on a doorstep. It's one thing to be in somebody's living room or on the job or anywhere else talking to them about the Lord. And you can preach anywhere. You can tell people about the Lord anywhere. But it's a different story when they come into the house of God. You see, out there, it's like we're uh, just one or two that's out there in the world and we're out there on their territory or in the devil's uh, ground and we're trying to do our best. But when one sinner comes into the midst of a bunch of saints and we're worshiping God and we're praying, that's one person that now is on God's ground. And there's an advantage. And we ought to have the same determination to bring people to church and bring people to the house of God. And no matter what we do, I think that our emphasis ought to be on preaching the Word of God. And we, there's, uh, there's things that are done in the church and it takes prayer and it takes effort, it takes work, and all of the work is repaid if we're bringing people to Jesus. I know that in this church, everything looks clean, somebody had to do that. There were refreshments out there this morning, somebody had to do that. There's singing, somebody had to prepare for that. There's activities, y'all are having a meeting tomorrow, there's work that goes into that. You know, the meals, they don't float down like manna from heaven. Somebody's got to cook that. Somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to do their work. But if we will work to serve the Lord, to try and get people to Jesus, the Lord will bless us and bless that work and He will save people. We can get people to Jesus. I remember when, uh, when I was a kid in our church, uh, man, I was there all the time, whenever they had. Man, young people's meetings, man, softball, uh, bowling, whatever we did, you know, I was there. And uh, man, I remember they used to have skating. Uh, they'd roller skate. And I said, I'm going to skate, man. I'm going to be in church. Man, I couldn't skate. That was something awful. I couldn't get out there on that thing. I don't know. I can do other things, but skating is just not in my uh, bag of tricks. You know, so I just, you know, so I'm pretty good as long as I can hang on to the wall, you know, and kind of wave at everybody, hey, I'm fine. Well, I thought I'd go to the concession stand and get me a Coca-Cola and a popcorn, you know. But man, two things, I couldn't hang on to nothing. So I'm trying to skate across there and, and then the popcorn and the Coke ends up everywhere. And so I just had to sit down. <laughs> Don't worry about me, I'm fine, it's okay. Just my whole clothes are sticky now and I've got popcorn sticking to me, but I'm okay. I just couldn't skate. But I went there and they had once a week, they would have skating. And they would skate for a little while and uh, then they'd break and they'd have preaching for about 10 minutes. And I thought about that today. <clears throat> the church would do anything to get people to come to hear the Word of God preached. And I still remember some of the things that they preached at the skating rink. 
Then one time my friend, was he was a Methodist, and he said, hey, you want to go to skating? I said, we got Methodist night. I'd only been to Baptist night. Baptists skated to organ music. The Methodists had Phil Collins. <laughs> they, had, they had all kinds of music. It was a little bit different. They didn't have preaching. But whatever we do, we ought to have some preaching. We ought to go through whatever pains, whatever it takes to get people to the house where the Bible is being preached and if we will work and labor and believe God, trusting that if we can get people to the preaching of the Word of God, that God will do His part and He will see our faith and He will bless and He will save people. That's what they did here. They did the work and Jesus did the saving. <clears throat> Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, but... There were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning within their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? There's always going to be the gainsayers. If you, do, if you don't do anything for God, they'll criticize you. You're not doing anything. If you try and do something for God, they'll criticize you because you're trying to do something. No matter what, there's always going to be gainsayers. If you try and do your best to reach the lost, somebody's going to say, I don't think you should do it like that. You know, you remember, was it Moody or somebody that said, uh, uh, someone came to him and said, I don't like your preaching, I don't like the way you preach. He said, well, do you, do you do any preaching yourself? Man said, no, and he said, well, I like the way I'm doing it better than the way you're not doing it. My friend one time said that somebody, another preacher said someone criticized him and said, I don't really like the way you preach. You said something I didn't agree with. So he said, well, do you do any preaching yourself? He said, no, I don't. My friend said, well, you should. <laughs> you ought to. You're supposed to tell somebody about the Lord and you ought to try to do some preaching yourself and then have some other uh, smarty pants come and criticize you for the way you do it. After you do it and you try it and you try your best and you get criticized, then you learn uh, not to criticize others. And no matter what you try and do, somebody's going to say, why are you doing this? What did Jesus say that made him mad? Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And somebody said, I don't think he should have said that. <laughs> they got mad because a man got his sins forgiven. But of course they were saying, well, he's just a man. He's not, only God can forgive sins. He's talking like he's God. We see the second miracle here. Immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? The second miracle is Jesus knew what they were thinking right there in church. And we all do this. If I see another missionary or if I see someone else doing something, sometimes I think to myself, Well, I wonder if that's right or not. And the Lord hears that. I don't ever say it out loud. And this ought to wake us up to something that when we're in church and we think, I don't really like this, the Lord hears it. The Lord heard these men. And uh, he said, why, why are you talking like that? Why are you reasoning within your hearts? And of course, he, he performs the miracle. Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. So, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, and took up the bed, and went forth before them all, 
insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Well, Jesus convinced the gainsayers. He said, It doesn't matter if I say thy sins be forgiven thee or be healed, either one. And just to prove it, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Son, get up. Stand up, you're healed. And the boy stood up. And everybody knew, doesn't matter what Jesus says, it gets done. If he says, be healed, you're healed. So much so that this boy stood up and he picked up his own bed, wrapped it up and carried it and walked right straight out. He left church early that day. Why? Because the Lord told him to. Whatever the Lord says, it gets done. And if the Lord says your sins are forgiven, guess what? They're forgiven right now. Not in the future somewhere. Not that you're going to get to heaven and they're going to open up the books and say, well, you got this, this on this side. you got good works on this side, so let's weigh them out. No, your sins can be forgiven right here, right now, today. Your sins can be forgiven, he said, so that you might know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. The Lord said, I've got the power to forgive sins right here and now. I am in God's stead right here. I am the judge. I have the power to lose people from their infirmities and to lose people from their sins. And I want you to know that. And I'm glad I'm not paralyzed and I never was healed. But this paralysis is a real good picture of what sin is. Nobody, uh, no sinner has the ability to pick himself up. No sinner has the ability to stand up, to work, to do anything, completely paralyzed. But I did have to have my sins forgiven. And I did find out that my sins were forgiven. And John said, I write unto you, uh, was it young men, or I write unto you children, because your sins are forgiven. Hey, if your sins are forgiven, you can be of good cheer. If your sins are forgiven, you can serve God. If your sins are forgiven, you can know that they're forgiven. And you can go on. You have a little bit of strength because your sins are forgiven. But if you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, you're, not, you're hardly ever going to take one step for God. Because you're always going to be thinking, did I do it right or did I do it wrong? Maybe I didn't do it exactly right. Maybe I've got to go back and get saved again. Maybe everybody else is saved except for me. Maybe I don't feel like my sins are forgiven. Uh, I messed up this week. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I'm not sure. Hey, he said that your sins are forgiven right here and now. And you're still weak in this flesh, but don't worry about it. God's not keeping records anymore. You're not going to get to heaven and say, look, you were saved and you had some of your sins forgiven, but after that you messed up again. And so I've got a big record. I've got to uh, talk about this right now. Your sins can be forgiven and you can know that they're forgiven. You can stand up on your two feet and you can preach the word of God. You can serve God. You can bring others to church. You can bring others to the Lord and they can get their sins forgiven. I'm glad that my sins are forgiven. I don't have any sins tonight. My mind reminds me of every single time I mess up. Before I was saved, before you were saved, you never thought about when you messed up. Somebody that's never been born again, they think they don't have any sins. Oh, what's wrong with me? I never did kill anybody. No, but you talk like a drunken sailor. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with me? I never did kill anybody. No, but you steal. No, but you're, uh, the rest of the community knows you're the biggest sinner in town. But when you get saved, then your sins are forgiven. Then after that, then you're aware. 
Every time you say one word, and as soon as it gets out of your mouth, you know, shouldn't have said that. That just didn't, that wasn't exactly seasoned with grace. But the Lord said, I want everybody to know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And he told this young man here, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. That's the best, that's the best thing there is. Healing is great, but you're still going to die. If your sins are forgiven, you can go to heaven. If your sins aren't forgiven, you're in trouble. If your sins are not forgiven, you better not die. You better pray for healing. Because if you die and your sins are not forgiven, you're in big trouble. It's too late and you can't do anything. But the Lord came to forgive sins. I'm glad. I thank the Lord that we can be here tonight. I thank the Lord for everything He's done for us in our ministry. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be in this church. Glad to be able to preach to everybody. I'm glad for the good spirit. Most of all, I'm glad that my sins are forgiven. And He's given me the opportunity to serve Him. And uh, I thank the Lord for all that He's done. I'm going to ask the preacher to come. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank You again for all of Your grace. We thank